Welcome to Halloween Night 1994. This is the podcast that remembers all things Halloween in the 90s, through pop culture, movies, history, and some childhood nostalgia. On this episode, we're talking pumpkins, another classic symbol of Halloween. But why? And who had the idea to stab one with a knife, carve out all its stringy bits, and stick a candle inside? Listen in to learn about this humble Halloween fruit. Yes, it is a fruit, including the legendary beginnings of the jack-o'-lantern and some pumpkin patch facts, plus a chat about the 1966 Charlie Brown Halloween special. When black cats howl and monsters roar, it's Halloween night, 1994. two pumpkins in the Halloween Night 1994 logo. Yep, the logo is made from an old Halloween photo my parents scanned and emailed to me. I carved that big pumpkin. Or, depending on what year the photo was from, maybe my mom did. The smaller pumpkin, though, it's hard to see, but there's a face drawn on it with a sharpie. That was all me. Like baking pumpkin-shaped sugar cookies or putting up those bistol decorations, carving pumpkins was another Halloween tradition in my childhood home. And though I'm waiting for the ideal amount of time this year before Halloween night to carve my pumpkin, that's three to five days according to the internet, there are plenty of pumpkin and jack-o'-lantern topics to discuss right now. First, I know you've been on the edge of your seat with anticipation. What is a pumpkin? Well, it's a fruit, remember? Technically, it's a squash, related to zucchini, cucumbers, melons, and some other gourds. Cucumbers, you might say? Look at a cucumber vine and a pumpkin vine, and you'll see some similarities. Pumpkins are one of the oldest domesticated plants, dating from 5000 to 7500 BCE, and are native to the southern U.S. and northeastern Mexico. Huh. I always associated pumpkins with the east coast of the U.S., perhaps because when I think of fall, I think of the east coast fall. And also the, quote, classic pumpkin is the Connecticut Field Pumpkin, best suited for autumn decorations and jack-o'-lantern carvings. It has smooth and slightly ribbed skin, and is that deep orange color. Loads of other varieties of pumpkins exist, though, in different shapes and colors. There's the Autumn Gold, the Cinderella, the Warty Goblin, named, I assume, for the bumpy, wart-like growths it has, 
the Jack B. Little and Jack B. Quick mini varieties, and even the Casper pumpkin. No, it's not a ghost or a mattress, it's just a white pumpkin. And different varieties are grown not just for their looks, some are better tasting. Pumpkins are pretty tasty, right? I'm not just talking about pumpkin spice. Think of all those pumpkin-y foods. There's pumpkin soup, purees, pies, uh, you know canned pumpkin that you buy at the store. I don't want to ruin this for you, but I read that it's often made from different kinds of winter squash, like butternut, acorn, or delicata. Anyway, the seeds, flowers, and leaves of the pumpkin are all edible too. Pumpkins are usually ready to harvest by mid-fall, so of course they are a great symbol for the fall harvest season. If you've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, like our candy corn episode, you know that harvest things often become Halloween things. The pumpkin is not excluded. But why do we carve them, and why are those carved pumpkins called jack-o'-lanterns? Enter the Irish legend of Stingy Jack. According to this legend, Stingy Jack, who was a man, not a pumpkin, invited the devil out for a drink. Jack then played a trick on the devil, which seems like a no-no to me, but if you're drinking with the devil, I guess you break a lot of rules anyway. Jack's trick was convincing the devil to turn himself into a coin to pay for their libations. The devil obliged, turning himself into a coin, and then Jack stuck the devil coin in his pocket next to a silver cross that prevented the devil from changing back into his original devilish form. Of course, the devil was eventually freed, but only to have a similar trick played on him by Jack again a little bit later. Now, the devil at this point was pretty pissed, so when Jack eventually died and was rejected from heaven, the devil was like, you can't chill with me down here in hell either, and he sent Jack into the night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put that coal into a carved turnip. And the Irish refer to this ghostly figure traveling across fields as Jack of the Lantern or Jack-o'-lantern. In Ireland and Scotland, people would carve scary faces into turnips or potatoes, placing them near doors and windows to frighten away Stingy Jack and other wandering evil spirits, something there were a lot of around Halloween time. In England, they would carve large beets. Once the tradition was brought to America, it met its match with the pumpkin, the perfect carving specimen. As I said earlier, the Connecticut field pumpkin is said to be the classic pumpkin, but the top pumpkin-producing states in the U.S. are Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, 
and California. I'm lucky that I grew up close to the self-proclaimed pumpkin capital of the world, Half Moon Bay, California. The area has about 10 pumpkin patches, over 150 acres of pumpkins growing, and grows around 3,500 tons of pumpkins each year. Did you know the world's largest pumpkin was grown in Germany in 2016 and weighed just over 2,620 pounds? This is according to Guinness World Records. I'm always about a good Guinness Book of World Records reference. Anyone else read those growing up or just me? I went to a pumpkin patch this year. Everything looks kind of rotten, except for the pumpkins. And let me tell you, don't skip the hayride. We chose not to take the hayride out to the fields because we thought we didn't need to. We were wrong. Okay, now I'm stuck in the mud. And it's like quicksand, but mud. I guess I see how hayrides are functional at this point. Most pumpkin patches have hayrides, either for fun or practical reasons, or both. They also have corn mazes, farm animals, and lots of pumpkins to pick from either pre-picked and ready to pop into your car, or still out in the field just waiting to be harvested. Don't worry, we came home with a good selection, and one perfect for carving. We carved one or two pumpkins at the kitchen table every year, and followed the same key steps. Step one, lay down paper grocery bags to prevent a mess. Step two, assemble the right tools. We had those sets of carving knives with the bright orange handles, the ones meant to prevent kids from wielding sharp knives during all of this. They were like the safety scissors of knives and sometimes they didn't exactly work. So eventually, we bust out the real knives. Serrated knives are best for those first cuts, and then a paring knife for finer details and the cleanup work. Step three, sketch your design. I typically went with a classic face, a triangle nose, mouth, and a smile with three or four teeth. Why so many triangles? Well, they're the easiest shapes to cut with a knife. Step four, that first cut. Start at the top, begin the process of hollowing the pumpkin out before carving the exterior design. I thought this was always the hardest part because if you cut too close to the stem, you wouldn't have enough room to effectively remove all the pumpkin guts. Too far away and you risk ruining both the surface area for the fun carving and also creating a lid so big it won't stay on properly. Step five, remove the guts. We did this with a large spoon and sometimes bare hands. 
we saved the seeds to roast, too. During October and November, I always had a little plastic sandwich bag full of homemade roasted pumpkin seeds in my Beauty and the Beast plastic lunchbox. I dreamed of being a cool kid with cool snacks, but when there were homemade snacks to be had, I could consistently rely on those instead. Side note, I totally did get fruit by the foot, gushers, and even dunkaroos every once in a while. Thanks, Mom. But never the holy grail of cool lunches, the lunchable. Step 6. The Decorative Carve Carve along your sketch design, being careful to cut on the outside of your pen or pencil marks so they don't get left behind. And step seven, display. Stick a candle or LED candle light in there and show off your jack-o'-lantern. We used regular old tea light candles back in the day, and we put it out on the porch on Halloween night. In an interesting twist, the pumpkin was out on the porch not to scare away spirits. No, it was there to let trick-or-treaters know our house was giving away candy. After my pumpkin patch excursion, I watched It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, for maybe the first time, actually. It was never part of my Halloween television lineup, though it has been on TV every year since it first aired in 1966, except 2020. It's on Apple TV this year, FYI. I think most people grew up with Charlie Brown, so this was a treat to watch, and I highly recommend it. Not for its straight 90s nostalgia, because it was made in the 60s, but it was funny and charming. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Linus, friend of the Charlie Brown Bunch, waits in a pumpkin patch because he believes on Halloween night, the great pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch and delivers presents to children all over the world. The rest of the kids give him crap for this, and I won't give away the ending on this one, but if you're familiar with the woe is me philosophy of Charlie Brown as I now am, you might have an idea how this turns out. A few highlights. Peppermint Patty, notable for being a jerk, I think. Uh, she's dressed in her costume for the evening and says, quote, a person should always choose a costume that is in direct contrast to her own personality. She says all this as she's wearing this, like, evil-looking witch mask. That is my brand of humor. <laughs> the kids all say tricks or treats, and it's just so wholesome. It felt like a warm hug, and I didn't even watch this growing up. Last thing. Linus says, quote, each year, the great pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch that he thinks is the most sincere. And that reminded me of the kid that Jerry O'Connell plays in Stand By Me, because he says sincerely after basically everything he says. It's so great. Watch that movie if you haven't seen it. And though I kind of rejected the use of sincerely in all my email signatures for the past few years, I think I'm going to switch back to using it because then I'll chuckle a little bit every time I send an email. 
This year, I'm carving my pumpkin with the classic pumpkin face from 1978's Halloween. I'll share a photo, which you can check out on our Instagram account at HalloweenNight1994 or on Twitter at HNight1994. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or follow wherever you listen for more episodes. You can rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. I mean that sincerely. Bye.